Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 244 of the Speaking Club podcast. I want to open up today's show with a quote from playwright and critic George Bernard Shaw. The possibilities are numerous once we decide to act and not react. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hi there! How are you? Hope you're well. Hope your week is going brilliantly and you're getting everything that you want and achieving all your goals and all of that great stuff. I'm very well. I've made soup today, which is brilliant, from scratch. Didn't know I could do that, but it was lovely. And uh, I'm also very excited because I'm getting ready for my masterclass next week. And I absolutely love doing these because they are live and interactive. So we're working on people's businesses and talks in the masterclass. And I can see the light bulbs going on as people see the power of blending marketing, storytelling and speaking. So if you fancy getting more impact with your speaking or you actually want to start speaking, then you are going to love this masterclass I'm going to take you through step by step my heart map blueprint for story led talks that sell. So it's no point in just engaging and inspiring. You've got to be transformational, motivational so that people actually get into action. And I know you're going to get a ton of value and I guarantee that you will leave knowing exactly what you need to do to create a talk that will become a powerful marketing asset. So if you want to grab a space on that masterclass and work with me next week, uh, just head over to saraharcher.co.uk slash masterclass. And my guest today absolutely tapped into the power of speaking one to many to shift her business into overdrive. My guest is Susie Carter, who started business life as a hairdresser, working for someone else in a job, but she knew that she'd only realise her dreams of wealth and security and success if she started her own business. And even though she was a single mum with two little girls to support, she went on to create not one, but two $10 million companies. And speaking played a huge factor in that, mixed with her superpower of implementing simple systems that have created that growth for her own business, but also for many other people too. In fact, she's helped over 100,000 entrepreneurs increase their revenues by more than 3,000%. And if that's not enough, she's also worked with some of the top business moguls, including John Asaraf, Lisa Nichols, Steve Harvey, and so on. And her newest book, Power Your Profits, which we're going to talk about with Susie, is a bestseller. And do you know what? The best thing is, even with all that success, she's down to earth, generous and authentic. And I know you are going to get so much value from this interview. Well, that's enough from me babbling on. Let's get on with the show. So welcome to the Speaking Club, Susie Carter. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I'm just reading your book at the moment, which we'll talk about later um, and tell people where they can go and get that. It's very good. And yeah, I'm just so impressed with everything you've done and lots to unpick, lots of value to get from you for the audience. So let's let me start, because this is the Speaking Club, by asking you um, about something that you credit as the catalyst for getting your hair salon to a quarter of a million when the industry average was 30,000. And that was speaking. You talk about that as the catalyst. And I wondered if you could tell me a little bit more about that. 
Well, I had no idea how to speak. I was, I, ne I never went to a class. I was just looking at where could I find my ideal client, right? And I'm like, corporations, these women need professional services. Um, they need beauty, right? Looking at that. I need them. They need me. How do I get in there? And so I started calling around, talking to the human resource. And they're like, well, you can come and do a lunch and learn. Great. What's a lunch and learn? <laughs> like, you come in and you speak for 30 minutes and you give content. I'm like, awesome. I can do that. Never Sarah had taken a speaking class before, right? Number one, fear in life, public speaking. Number two, death by fire. So I get up that morning and I am sick, like my stomach and nauseous and going to the bathroom. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And just nervous, nervous, nervous. So I call her and I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. My fear just overtook me. Like, I can't do this. So I get her on the phone and I'm like, Janet. And I burst into tears. My aunt just died. I've got to go handle her. <laughs> and I'll call you back. And I hung up and I'm like, oh my God, thank God. Thank God, right? So she got out of it. And I'm like, but I need to get in with these women. So I call her back later on. I'm like, Janet, I'm better. And she goes, oh my God, take as much time as you need. I'm like, no, I'm better. We can reschedule. So we reschedule it. I get up that day, same thing. My stomach and butterflies and going to the bathroom. Like I, nobody can die this time. What do I do? Literally I'm driving around the building, trying to get the courage to go inside, right? I pull up my big girl panties. I'm like, you can do this. Snap out of it. Go in. I'm sure I was horrible, horrible. But my message was, um, why do some people earn 30% more than other people. And studies show that women and men who take care of themselves professionally earn 30% more than people who don't. And so that was the basis of my conversation. And I just think back, I'm like, you know, pausing and trying to, <laughs> what I've seen other speakers do, but I got five clients that day. On the other side of working through my fear, on the other side of, I know I was horrible, right? Had no training. I got five clients. And five clients to me at that time, if you look at lifetime value, was about $10,000 a client. I'm like, I just made $50,000. How do I do more of this? And that launched the speaking, the speaking to build my business. It was never because I wanted to be famous. It was never like, I'm going to be this speaker. It was like, I had to feed my children. I was a single mom raising two little girls, had to and no alimony, no child support. I had to figure out how do I do this? And then slowly started taking classes, slowly started to figure out where do I go get trained? Now this was 30 some years ago. So it's not, you, you know, you can Google and then find Sarah. There, there, there was no Sarah's in the world. Nobody was teaching behind the curtain. Speaking was still this um, like specialty that people didn't want to let go of their secrets, right? They weren't teaching, you know, valleys and stories and humor, and that just wasn't occurring. So it, it was a long process of getting really good and being able to relate to my audience. So that quarter of a million dollars, that was just me by myself as a technician and then went on to buy a salon and spa. And speaking has always been the foundation of building my businesses. People think, oh, I'm going to be a speaker and be famous and make lots of money. Well, Speaking is just opening the doors. You're not being paid, especially in this market now. But if you look at my P&L, you know, less than 10% of my revenue is speaking fees, right? And a multi-million dollar company, that's huge. It's all the back-end stuff that we do. Speaking's the marketing. Speaking's the door opens. You got to do it. You got to be good at it. You got to be amazing at it because you can't just speak. Sales don't magically happen at all is this dance that you teach, right? Which is incredibly important. That's so interesting. And I, and I, you know, wanted to touch on your background that you, you know, I want to get more into the speaking. We can have a, have a chat a bit more about that, but just to sort of fill people in. And you mentioned that you were a single parent. You had no, no one else to support you, no alimony. And one of the things that comes through in your book, and I think this is a really valid point, is that you had no back door. You didn't have a spouse that you this wasn't a hobby for you this was like putting food on the table filling the fridge stuff yeah do you think that makes a difference to the way people approach 
business, uh, you know, speaking as a side thing of that, but business and success. Absolutely. Like when you think about the fear that I had to get over driving mm-hmm. around that building, just have that visual of Susie, you have to do this. You have to fill your books. Like there, there is no, you know, I didn't have credit. You can't live on credit cards or so it did. And I tell my students all the time, like you have a back door, you have a retirement, right? You don't have to work. You don't have that hunger. I have that hunger of mm-hmm. survival. Like if you go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yeah, that lower level is survival, food, shelter, clothing. Well, I was in food, shelter, clothing, right? And then once I got through food, shelter, clothing, it was security. Like I can't ever go back there again, where you don't know how you're going to pay your rent, how you're going to pay your childcare, how you're going to pay right? So I couldn't do that. And then you go into belonging, which is like, oh, how do I make this a community? How do I make it a business? It was food, shelter, clothing, survival, belonging, where I th- when I was thought this is fun, I want to make it a business. That didn't happen for years. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to get that hustle so that I could quicker, faster get clients, right? That was the one-to-many marketing. Speaking mm-hmm. is one-to-many versus going to networking groups going, oh, hi, Sarah, I, you know, here's what I do in that long process of building a relationship. Speaking is instant credibility. The minute you're on the stage, people go, oh, she must, he must be a big deal because somebody else hired them. So all of a sudden that old school networking, you just break down those barriers in 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. So if we don't capture them in 60 seconds, we don't show them we got it in 60 seconds because they're going to decide if they want to do business with us or not based on the way that we look, based on the way that we carry ourselves, the stories that we share, how are we speaking, they're going to minimize you or they're going to edify you. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so it makes a huge difference. And so not having that back door, not having an escape route, not having the the luxury of, oh, I don't feel like it today. There was never, I don't feel like it today. (laughs) I think now I'm in my fifties. I finally reached a point where I don't feel like it today. And financially, I don't have to do what I had to do, right? You're like, oh, so I think there's that process of going, what do I really want? If you're passionate about your business, if you love what you do, right? Then the back door isn't as necessary. I think sometimes- um, we do something because it seems fun, right? We do something because, oh, I'll start a business. <laughs> That'll be easy, right? No, <laughs> 80% of businesses are going out of business, right? In that first five years and in the pandemic and economic crisis, now 50% of them are closing their doors because it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't have to be hard. It has to be systemic, just like speaking. There's a system to speaking, If you don't know the system, it's going to take you years, right? If you work with someone like Sarah, she'll shave 10 years off your learning curve. Like it just makes business sense to go, oh, how can I close people quicker, faster? Well, there's a system for that, right? And we just need to show you the system. And it's, and the other thing that's really interesting to me is that I have a feeling that you see the world differently from others and that's what makes you special and successful. So like even just talking about, you know, when you were a technician, you were making a quarter of a million dollars. You must have been doing something differently to the others in the marketplace to to, to get that sort of lifetime value of 10K per client because that's not normal, is it? Right. No, the average person in the industry makes 30 grand. Right. Even when we owned our salon and spa, we were a million dollar salon and spa. The average salon and spa owner has to have 30 people to do that. We had seven. Right. So it's about productivity, being working smart, not hard. Right. I've always been into goal setting and wanting something bigger and wanting to create something different than what I experienced as a child. Right. I don't want to get into, you know, victim martyrism, but I grew up with nine brothers and sisters. Bobby, Ronnie, Stevie, Terry, Joni, Shelly, Susie, Kelly, Debbie. And there were <laughs> nine of us, 1,200 square feet, three bedrooms, don't know where we all slept, right? 1,200 square feet with 11 people in the household. Where did we all sit? <laughs> so it was a tiny, tiny house. Like I have, you know, if I look at the houses I've had, I'm like so claustrophobic. If it's, you know, under 3,000 square feet, I'm like, I need more space. <laughs> and so creating my, I think that, my gift from God is my life. What I give back 
to my community, what I give back to the world is my gift back to God. And I see people's brilliance, Sarah. I don't see someone as their limitation. I see the gift that God gave you. You can hear it in people speaking. You can hear it with their passion, right? So my job is to bring that greatness out. My job is to how do I edify that and have you see that? especially in business, so that you can do the work you're put on this earth to do. We were all put here to do something. What is your uniqueness? What is your gift? What is that thing only you can do? Like, don't imitate other speakers. Don't imitate. You can emulate, take the best practices that I have, the best practices that Sarah have, but what's your unique gift? Mine is making business fun, right? I always say math is money, money is fun because I resisted the business side, right? I resisted the math side, right? The number side, the business side, networking and getting clients in, I had to do that, but I was making a quarter of a million, but spending a quarter of a million, right? Because I'm like uh, growing up poor, you're like, I am shopping. (laughs) There was a time in my life, Sarah, where I would not buy anything on sale. I'm like, I do not have to buy anything on sale. I have arrived. I think back, I'm like, what a ding dong, right? <laughs> but it was what I had to do for me to feel my worth and my value and I matter, you know, and I can do anything that I want. And it's really um, interesting. I want to talk about, you know, how you shifted in terms of like the, the sort of your understanding of business and you used a coach and and now how you shift other people. But I want to just move back to, you know, you talk about coming from that culture of lack. And I read in your book that you sabotaged yourself in those <laughs> early days. I think that was one of the ways perhaps that culture of lack manifested in your business and in your life. But what did, and so many people have that, you know, I come from a working class family mm-hmm. and, you know, I can see my relationship with money is, you know, it's had to develop because it wasn't right. How right. Did that manifest in your business and life? And was it in other ways it showed up? And what did you do to change things? Well, I was using money and success to fill a void, right? And because I got married young and divorced young, right? I knew I never wanted to do that again. My picker was off. I did not pick a good one. (laughs) But with that many kids, my dad said, look, you're 18, move out, go get a job, go get a husband, go do what you need to do. Right. And so I'm like, I can do both. I'm such a good student. Right. (laughs) I didn't know anything about picking a husband. He didn't talk about, you know, find someone with values and it was just get out, make it happen. So I met this beautiful man and found myself in an abusive relationship. Right. I repeated the past that my biological mother had lived and I realized I never want to be there again. Right. I remember one day, you know, my what we call my husband, right? Because he's not my husband no more. He's my husband. You know, I was on the floor. He was on top of me and I'm watching my child scream and cry. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm repeating the past. Like, you know how you have that out-of-body experience? I look over and she's just bawling. And I look up at him like, are you kidding me? Like just snapped out of it. And that was the day I decided I got to get out. And from that moment on, I went into counseling. I'm like, I will never do this again. I won't, I've got to break this pattern of abuse in our family. Like I've got to do something different. And so found a counselor, started working on me because your net worth will only go go as high as your self-worth. So I was using things and people and, and material items to feel good, to feel value, to feel like I mattered. And at the end of the day, that doesn't matter because you can have all the things, all the houses, all the cars, all the shiny, all the, and still feel like you're not good enough. And so working on yourself, especially as a speaker, because you have to be transparent. You have to tell your truth. You can't have a shtick, right? It's all about transformational work, right? When I look at speakers, there's motivational speakers, inspirational speakers, informational speakers, And then there's transformational speakers, Mm -hmm. transformational, which is what I am. It's what you are, is getting people to do, take radical action after you're done talking. Cause who cares if you get a standing ovation? Oh, Sarah is so good. Who cares? Like that. I remember just being on the road and going, 
I don't care if they like me. Do something with this education. I don't know if I'll ever be back in your community. You've got to buy something. Because if I look at the, if they don't take action in your class, if they don't buy something, enroll in something, then all you did was entertain them. And entertainment is a small percentage of them just to keep their attention. Transformation is about causing radical action in somebody else's behavior. That's what we're paid to do, right, as a speaker. Because if they don't do anything different, then at the end of the day, you were just entertainment. And I know nobody, especially if you're working with Sarah, nobody wants that. You want to know that, okay, my hour, my, because it's an hour on stage, but to get there and to prep and to get home and however long you did it, you, you've got hours and hours and hours invested for this hour to go, how can I make the biggest difference in this person's life, in this audience life? So working on your personal development as much as your business development, especially as a speaker, right? Because we all can feel that, that, can I swear? <laughs> yeah, go for it. That's fine. <laughs> so when someone's full of shit, right? They're on stage. You're like, there's something off. It's stinky. They're like, this feels inauthentic, especially in today's marketplace. We want authenticity, right? We don't want the perfect polished. We want you to tell the real story. Like nobody wants you to teach from your mountaintop. They want to hear about the mountaintop, but the reality is I want to know when you're in your valley in the darkest night, how did you get out of the valley? How did I get out of that abusive relationship? How did I pull up my big girl panties and take care of my two kids when I married a ding dong, right? And then how do I not beat myself up for marrying a ding dong, right? To go, oh, okay. That's what people want is to hear the truth. Because we've all, we there's so many charlatans in our industry of people, you know, saying what you want to hear, but a coach will tell you what you don't want to hear. A coach will show you what you cannot see. So you could be the person you could be. I love that. And, and I get the sense that that's what you do for people, you know, and I, behind you is a sign that says wealth is your birthright. And I think and it's not just about money, though, is it? It's yeah. it's that that wealth that it's about self worth, that wealth in yourself. And I think that's that's the key to it. Is you know you've got to be doing the work on yourself and on your beliefs and on the things that you can't see that are getting in your way. As on top of developing the business acumen and the sort of the numbers stuff as well, yeah. they don't. Now, I've heard someone say before that if you don't sort that stuff out, it's like driving with the handbrake on. And I think that's what you do for people, I think. Is that right? Yes, I see what you can't see. And I've built 10 multi-million dollar companies, two $10 million companies. So it's not my first rodeo. So I see money everywhere. I can see where you're leaving money on the table. I can see what you're not doing and what you need to do. Now, you have to do it. I'm not going to do it for you. Right. But again, I've done it for myself and I've done it for my clients in 30 years of helping people build multi-million dollar companies by doing things there that's already existing in their companies. Right. So even as a speaker, right, I'm not a speaker trainer, but you've got to close 25 percent of the room. If you're not closing 25 percent of the room, then really you're not serving people to take action. Mm -hmm. Right. My very first coach told me that he said, Susie. Minimal acceptable, if you want to call yourself a speaker, if you're not closing 25% of the room, we need to give this up. I'm like, dang. He goes, and it's not about the money. It's about, are you causing transformation? Because if you're not, you're just bullshit and it's all about your ego. Oh, dang. Okay. And I got to tell you, in the beginning, it was like, I'm a good speaker, but it was more ego-based versus transformation-based. And in the beauty industry, when I started, there, I was one of three business women teaching. There's 300,000 salons and spas, many educators in the industry, but there weren't women. Well, 90% of the industry is women. And so they just weren't edifying women business people. And I was tired of seeing, I love my men and I love businessmen, but I wanted to see myself. I wanted to see Sarah. I wanted to see a woman that was slaying it, conquering, managing their kids, managing daycare, managing pickup, managing cooking, managing, you know, providing, and then running a successful business. 
And that became my, you know, my victory call, if you will, to go, let me show you how to do it. If I can do it, you can do it. I have no business degree, right? This wasn't easy for me, but I was hungry. I'm a student, right? I went to the library because that's where you learned back in the day. They didn't have the YouTube videos, right? <laughs> if you were lucky, you knew someone that knew someone and you can go to a class, but it, it wasn't as easily available as it is now. Now you just Google and go, where do I find a speaker coach? right? Where do I find a personal development coach? Where do I find whatever you're looking for? You know, so I think it's looking at what are you committed to and how will you make that difference in the world? Absolutely. And so looking back, and I'm going to, there's another question I want to ask in a minute about your sort of experience over time in business, but looking back, what's been your secret to building multi-million dollar companies? would you say? Um, it's finding people who are 10 times smarter than me and hiring them. <laughs> right? Benjamin Franklin said, take the coins from your purse, invest them in your mind, and your mind will fill your purse overflowing. And so in the beginning, I, I could afford therapy, right? That was my coach. So for business, I'd go to the library and I'd take my kids and we'd sit on the floor and they'd get their books. I get my books and I couldn't afford the book. Let me say this. I could not afford the $30 because it was $30 or feeding my children. Then I would go to the used bookstore once I found the book I wanted. Like if it was a marketing book, if it was a financial book, then I'd go to the used bookstore and find that same book and buy it for a quarter. Right. So I would do my research. Same with the kids. Right. OK, we're going to go to this other store now and let's go find those books. And so it became like our little treasure hunt of, did you find yours? I found mine, right? It was just so exciting. And both of them love to read, both of them, you know, like if I look at that foundation, I didn't know I was doing that. I was not that sophisticated, but I look now like, okay, they watched me. Cause I, I think I work with, a, I work with a lot of business women that feel guilty. I'm away from my kids. I'm away from my family and I have to be all these things. And I say it's quality, not quantity. Because there's some people that are with their family all the time, but they're not present. Mm -hmm. And so I maybe couldn't be that at all the things. But when I was there it was quality time versus quantity of time. And I was talking to my daughter, she's 35. And I'm like, well, this makes up for all the things I miss. She goes, I don't have any presence of you being gone of anything. And I traveled every weekend. I owned the salon and spa. And then on the weekends, I would travel and do speaking and training and so I was gone, you know, at work full time and then on the road for the weekend. And then I would come back, right, and have a transition day and then go back into the salon and spa. So for my children now, there's no anger, resentment. One's a medical esthetician entrepreneur. One's an equity investor and she runs billion dollars, manages billions of dollars of money, right? And I look at it it's because I was an entrepreneur and I included them. Right. I included them in, you know, back in the day, you'd have cassettes, right? They would pack the cassettes because I couldn't afford the dollar to hire someone to pack it for me. So the kids would sit down on Saturdays, pack all my products, right? And then they got 50 cents, right, for everything that they packed. So they we taught them how to be entrepreneurs inside of building my own business, you know. And again, it wasn't like, I'm going to do this strategy and I'm such a good parent. I'm like, cheap labor. Let me pay my children. I'm paying someone. Let me pay you. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> the best day, Sarah, is when my oldest daughter, who now manages billions of dollars, she's like, we're picketing. We're not doing this for <laughs> cents anymore. We need 75 cents. I'm like, a, a whole quarter raise? No, no. Right. So <laughs> they learned how to negotiate. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. There's some more questions I want to ask you, but you mentioned, you know, you've been at this 30 years mm -hmm. and right now we're in an interesting time. You know, everyone is worrying. Uh, we're either in or heading to recession. I don't think anyone's actually put the stake in the ground yet to say 100%. But, you know, you've seen it before yes. and yeah. come out of it. Have you got any advice for people who are worrying or, you know, what, what sort of mindset or what approach have you taken in the past when this downturn has happened to get through it? So everything is a mathematical equation, right? And so I, I know most speakers were creatives. We don't like math, but again, I want to say math is money. Money is fun. 
We all love what money can provide for us. So we have to come to terms with you understanding the business finances. So the first thing you need to do is trim all the fat in your life, all the fat right now, before they put the stake in the ground, Mm -hmm. everything that's not necessity, get rid of it. Right. So when the last recession hit, even when the pandemic hit, I stopped everything and we were just growing this brand, right? We just launched our book with Simon and Schuster. I had a huge campaign. I just invested thousands of dollars in my PR, right? So I created this tsunami of PR and then the pandemic hit. I'm like, I got to stop all the frivolousness. I don't know what's going to happen. So I cut back everything, right? Everything that did not keep the lights on so that I could take care of my clients that just stopped everything before it was official, official, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen with the market. I don't know how I'm going to run my business. I don't know what the pivot's going to be. And so the same thing in the previous thing is cut all the fat so that Mm -hmm. you now start accumulating in your savings so that if worst case scenario, you're like, I can ride this out. Most people keep spending. They keep spending as if nothing's happening in the world, right? Now I just adjusted, pulled everything back and then slowly started going, okay, I can add that back in. I can add this back in. Sit down with a business financial coach, right? A strategist. So I'm a full strategist, just not the finances. To look at, okay, if I'm doing this, what do I need to do in sales? How many more sales do I need to make? How many more calls do I need to make? How many, if I look at, especially when the market has shifted today, everything's online, right? And sales are harder, right? When you're in person, there's the herd mentality and they're running to the back of the room. Well, now we're online and they're still the back of the room virtually, but it's a little bit harder to get them to run because they can just hang up, right? They can just log out of their computer. So there is strategy of how do I get people online to run to the back of the room, if you will. Mm. And so Sarah, we close 80% of our qualified leads in our trainings. That is bananas, bananas. Because all the work we do, our pre-work we do with our students, the everything that we're teaching is leading up to our product leading up to our solution, leading up to how we're the solution to their pain and their challenge. 80%, the average speaker closes 10. A really good speaker that has a system is closing 30 to 40% online. We're closing 80. So there's a huge distinction in what is that system that we use. Got to be a good speaker, but you also have to have the strategy in place to close. So Mm -hmm. scale back on what you're spending, be very strategic monitor everything. If you're spending money on advertising, especially with all the algorithms that have changed in online advertising, we're throwing, we were throwing a ton of money away and not getting the return. If you're not managing that, you can lose millions down this invisible marketing hole. (laughs) And we've all done it, right? That's why I'm saying, whoa, 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 let's see what, what am I getting for this? And does it make sense? So don't shut up shop. Just look at managing the expenditure and increase going out there, but actually sort of managing that spend intelligently and looking at the ROI on that spend uh, and just being more careful, but don't shut, shut up shop and walk away. I think there is a tendency for people to, uh, there is that, you know, you still have to go out there, don't you? You can't hide away. You've still got to put yourself out there. In the, yeah, in this. At, I'm still in three different networking groups. They're virtual, yeah. but they're all high level networking groups with my ideal client and with my ideal partners. So even though I'm not physically in front of them, I'm still doing all the things that we would do if we were mm-hmm. physically in front of people and yeah. people still aren't ready to travel, right? We mm-hmm. did an event in September, right? We were going to go, okay, first time in three years, we're going to do a live event. And they're like, good for you. We're not coming. Right? So it was like, holy crap. Okay. So then we shifted at the last minute to virtual again, right? To go people, I think in your business, especially when a recession comes, look at your marketing message because your marketing, what my marketing message was in the beginning of the year is not the marketing message now because there's fear, 
because people need more time and more money. We're burnt out, we're fried, we're exhausted. We've been pushing this new model for three years. Some people with success, some people not with success, right? So there's that burnt out that wasn't present in the beginning. In the beginning, people were like, yeah, I get to be home. Yeah, I get a day drink. Yeah, I get to, you know. <laughs> and like, no, 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 we still have businesses, right? But learning to to be work from home, learning to work with a computer. I've always done coaching on calls, coaching on Zoom, right? Instant teleseminar, right? So we've always used that as a vehicle. But for some people that was brand new. I was working with my friend, John Foley. He's a professional speaker. He's He is one of the elite top gun pilots in the Navy. He's one of the few that have this gold helmet. That's a really big deal. Wow. He makes a million dollars a year public speaking. A million dollars a year. That's his fee. That's not product. He didn't sell product. So he was working with me to build product, right? Because um, he was speaking for a million dollars, but leaving all that money on the table. I'm like, oh my God, Sarah, oh my God, you're 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 leaving so much money on the table. You know, I was sweating, right? And he's and when the pandemic hit, his business went away overnight because he had. He'd never done online. He had not done consulting online. It was like, I don't even know what to do, Susie. This is so foreign. But we had been doing it for years, right? And serving our clients that way. For me, it was an easy shift. But for a lot of people, took them out. And to be entertaining online and to how do you get people to engage? Can't just talk at them. So there's a shift in how we're doing business. And I think it's going to, it's only going to get bigger because people are still freaked out. And like you said, they're freaked out about the recession. They're freaked out about what's happening with the war, like what's, what is happening. So mm-hmm. that we're looking for some confidence. We're looking for um, a sense of how do I work smarter in this new reality? So look at your marketing message and go, does my marketing message actually fit what's happening in the marketplace? And it, if you have not tweaked it, it's probably completely off. Yeah. And so effectiveness, and I say businesses like this combination lock, these old school combination lock, where one little tick off and it's not going to open. So one little tick off in my marketing message, not going to open. People don't want to hear, you can make millions. They're like, I'm just trying to survive. So looking at the language, listening to your customers, doing a little focus group, like, what are you feeling? How are you feeling? What, what do you need right now to tweak what your message is and what you're doing? But I think that's why, in some senses, working with someone like you must be so reassuring because you aren't just this sort of fly by night, you know, Facebook ad person who's got the hired the Lamborghini. You right. are the real deal you've been there seen it done it bought the t-shirt sold the t-shirt then bought the company and so in a sense it's it's a safe pair of hands that people will be you know finding themselves in with someone like you I don't think there's much that you probably haven't seen in in the time that you've been in business yes I am seasoned I'm spicy but I'm seasoned There's not. When I look at, you know, just the evolution of business and the evolution of and the industries I've been in. Right. I've been in every industry imaginable. Right. I've I've worked on a wild animal park, putting their financial plan together and their business plan together. I don't know anything about wild animal park. What did I do? I went to the library, went to the I went to the Internet. Thank God Internet was around then. Right. To go. How do I figure out this cost? And Every industry has a cost analysis of what you should be spending. How much money as speakers should we be spending on marketing? Well, as speakers, as experts, it's 10% of your overhead needs to go right back into marketing. Don't wait till you need clients to come in. We've got to have that stream of people coming in ongoingly because buying is slower now. It's not, oh my God, I love Sarah, I'm going to buy. No, we're going to investigate. We're going to watch videos. We're going to We're going to look for um, reviews and testimonials. You know, before you get on a stage and speak, people bought because you were credible. Well, now everybody's a speaker, right? And they shouldn't be, right? Because like you said, there's so many charlatans of people who are just, they might be a good speaker just taking your money, but the business side isn't there, right? So you want to do that due diligence 
you know, yeah. for yourself. And then your clients want to do that due diligence. So is your, is your business package? Like what are your Google reviews? What is your, what are your Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn? What are all those things saying about you? The, oh, those are all highly incredible, incredibly important for your business to edify who you are and what you are. And as a speaker, if you're not an author and a best-selling author, stop everything that you're doing and do that first. There's something magical that happens when you're a best-selling author. And please don't put those pamphlet books together. That's not legitimate. They want a real book, real content, right? Through 200 pages, 300 pages, right? To be an expert. Now you'll have uh, charlatans who say, you just need a book. I'm going to say I've been doing this for 30 years. I have 10 books. There's value inside of having your words on paper, your words written down, right? A credible publisher. When I first started, I got rejected by the only publisher that was in our industry. And this is my personality, Sarah. I went, fine, I'll start my own publishing company. (laughs) Now this was 30 years ago. I did not know what that meant to start my own publishing company. It wasn't like today where you self-publish and it's so, you know, everything's a click of a button. You can publish on Amazon. You can publish in all these different houses. There, There wasn't that. You had to go old school, right? That first book was, you know, so hard. Took me seven years from when someone said, you know, do you have a book? Will you write a book? I'm like, sure, I'll write a book. Seven years to go through that process to write the book, have the confidence to write the book. Now it can take seven weeks, right? When you think about just there, I didn't have a coach that could coach me through the process and go, okay, hire this person. Okay, go here. Like, you know, Sarah can give you a list of who do I go for experts? She may not coach you on it, but she has a list of experts to go. We need a book. We need product. Here's how you're going to do it. Right. So. Absolutely. Which is a lovely segue into the book. (laughs) So tell me about the book, the new one out, Power Your Profits. Tell me about that book. What, What caused you to write that book? And what do you want people to get out of that book? So this book, Power Your Profits, this is, like I said, my 10th book, but it's my first book in general entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. right? Because I know <laughs> the work that it takes to write a book, I was like, I don't need another book. I don't need another book. And then realizing, no, I do in this market, right? I want, let me tell all my stories about the clients, because I think when you can hear somebody else's journey and you can see yourself in their journey, not just my journey, right? Because I tell my stories too, but the journey of my clients. And it was everything I had to do to build a business as a single mom, raising two little kids and selling that business for 10 million. I didn't have a business degree. Everything I learned, I learned like with Sarah, right? Like somebody like Sarah, like I'd hire a coach, implement it, hire a coach, implement it. Right. And so it was that bootstrap mentality of, I would put a dollar in the business. I'd take 50 cents out for me, sometimes a quarter out for me, 75% into the business, right? How do you build a multi-million dollar business to sell it? It's not enough just to have it. In order to get 10 millions from my, for my business, I had to be highly profitable, right? It doesn't just magically happen. And especially a speaking business, it was a training and development company. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, 10 trainers, we had consultants, we were traveling all over the world, had curriculum, had systems for everything that we did. So how do you do that? And so Power Your Profits is all about taking your business from 10,000 to 10 million. And what do you need to do? It literally is a roadmap of building a multi-million dollar company. Because if you build the roadmap, if you build the foundation, just like you're building a house, you have a solid foundation. They they dig deep into the ground, give a solid foundation for the house, and then build the house on top of it. Most people just start their business and they pull it all out of their hymie. 90% of the businesses that come to me don't have a business plan. And they're like, oh, I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. You think you know, but put it on paper so a coach, someone can look at it and go, here's the missing link. Mm. So I learned early on, I don't have all the answers for everything. But the answers I do have will get you to the level that you want to be inside your business. And then I bring Sarah in. And then I bring in 
um, Janet, like the, a finance person, and then I'll bring in a sales team and then I'll bring in. So when you find a good coach, that's willing to help you build your business, build that empire, build that legacy, because that's most of us want to create some kind of legacy inside of our lives, inside of our business, for our families, for our children, for our communities, whatever that is, right. We've got to build it on a strong foundation. And the book is all about a strong foundation. What I love about the book, Sarah, is I didn't, although it's chronologically, if you suck at math, go to chapter eight. Math is money. Money is fun. If you suck at sales, go to chapter six. Like, don't skip the rest of it. Just go to the pain point to go, I'm in sales. My $100,000 script is in this book. My $100,000 script is the script that I use still every day when I'm closing $100,000 clients to get them to say yes in 30 minutes. Doesn't have to be hard, has to be strategic. Wow, I love that. And we'll put a link in the show notes so that people can go and have a look at that. As I say, I'm working through it at the moment and uh, I'm really enjoying it thus far. Right, I've got one more question before I go into the standard questions. So I'm conscious of your time. Uh, So if you could do it all again, what would you do differently? Uh, I put the business plan together. I flew by the seat of my pants. I didn't know. Like I met a business coach and she's like, we're going to sit down and write a business plan. I'm like, wah, 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 right? I'm going to do this. And then I'm like, okay, I need to shift my business. I need, I need a bigger vision. I need, I don't, I don't know where I'm going. And then I hired her. We wrote the business plan and we created this 10 year plan together. Then I could see exactly what I needed to do. Before I was just kind of bubblegum, shoestring, band-aid, duct tape, right? My way along doing great, having great results, but to create a million dollar business, you have to have framework. It's like when you go to the bowling alley and they put those bumper rails up for kids. That's what a business plan does. It puts the bumper rails up because there's so many shiny, sparkly objects that come into play that you're like, oh, should I do that? Should I do that? Your plan will have you go, nope, not in my plan. That's a five years. I'll come back to that in five years, right? Or if you go, wow, I could do this plan now, but you're going to do it based on a a decision, a financial decision, a logical decision versus, oh my God, I love Sarah. Let's, let's partner. Okay. But that's not even in my plan. So why would I partner with that? It, It allows you to say no more than you say yes. Brilliant. That's great. I'll come back and say, is there anything else we need to cover? But I just want to ask you some standard questions first before we wrap things up. What's the best thing that speaking has ever done for you? What is that one thing that speaking has given you? It enabled me to go one to many, to make a bigger impact in the world, right? Again, if you look back in my early days as a hairdresser, I was doing one-to-one marketing. And now I went one to 50, and then you go one to a hundred and then you go one to 500. Then you go one to a thousand. Then you go to one to 10,000. You can't do that with anything else. Right. And so for people to see your transparency, your heart, your message, you know, you don't need a lot of time. You need to know what to say, when to say, how to say it. Cause I can have amazing results in eight minutes if I'm saying the right things. Absolutely. And one of the big things that I, you know, this podcast helps people do, and I'm keen on is getting your personality in and like that authenticity. And I think that's something that I can get from you. It's like, we have a saying in the UK, you call a spade a spade. And, and I think that comes across with you. There's no side to you. What you see is what you get. Is that fair? It's very fair. Like you either love me or you hate me, right? You're like, she irritates me. I'm like, oh my God, I love her. Right. <laughs> I scare people. I can scare you because I'm very straightforward, but I would, I think I've been in business so long, so I'd much rather you tell me the truth. Right. So if I, if I did something and you're like, let me just give you this little piece to help you with your speaking, this would, you know, awesome. I don't need yes people around me. Like I, I, I'm too busy. Like, let's get to it. And I respect my clients time the same way as we can chat about the moon, the sun and the stars. But at the end of the day, you're paying me to work on your business. Yeah. Like, let me show you what you can't see. So you can be the person you know that you can be, not my agenda, your agenda. Perfect. Um, and then we talked about your first speaking gig. Besides <laughs> that one, is there is there any speaking gig that you think, oh my goodness, I just want to forget all about that? It just went so bad. Have you had that experience? <laughs> just one? 
I will tell you the most monumental one because this was the worst day and the best day of my speaking career. So I'm at this event in San Francisco. There's 300 people in the audience. I just came out with my book. I'm like a real author. I'm going to have a book signing. Just had my book. So I do my speaking and, you know, 200 people stand up and they go to my line and I've got my pen ready and I'm feeling like a big deal. I am an author and I am a professional and I'm signing books. And then this man gets up after me. I'll say his name is Mark and Mark is a little seasoned like balding, does not look like the industry, right? He's got this old jacket on with those pat the the patches on the elbows, right? He looks like a professor, you know, not like what you see in the beauty industry, right? Usually the beauty industry people are flashy and fashionable and he's very conservative and very boring. And so I'm watching him. I've never heard of him before, right? I'm watching him speak and he's selling a thousand dollar product. And I'm like, they are not going to buy this, right? Was, I think it was 2000, 1997 or something, right? But it was a package. It was, it felt like, and then you get this and then you get this and then you get this. And I'm like, oh, that is so cheesy. It's like Jensu knives, right? And so I have 200 people in my line and he was not a good speaker. He was not a good speaker. And he was condescending to the audience. Like he was putting women down. Like you, if you don't do this, like this is what you need to do as a business person. You're not a business person. Like I was personally offended. Sarah, I watched my 200 people go from my line over to his line. And let's just look at that. 1997 times 200 is $399,400. I sat there with my mouth open because he was offensive. He wasn't funny. <laughs> like he, he, he was not a hairdresser. He was not a salon owner. He was a business guy. And I was, that it was the best lesson. One, my ego check, like, how dare you? Like God gave, God planted this person. This is my first time, right? Imagine I'm selling my book and it's the first time, right? And I'm so proud. And God went, Molly want me and said, sit your ass down. You have a lesson to learn. And so I'm like, I got to get some more expensive stuff. These people are craving. This guy was so insulting, but they're craving the content. That's what I walked away with. So I went home and put a package together. I went home and thought, what do they really need? How can I serve this market based on what he was doing, right? As a lesson to go, that was the best and hardest day. Because I walked home with, I don't know, $3,900, four grand. He walked home with 400 grand. I want that payday. (laughs) That's the payday I want. So that was the best. And that started in this whole, how do, how do you sell from the stage? What did he do? I don't want to offend people. I'm not going to put them down. Like he totally had the old eighties mentality of put, you know, put you, tear you down to build you up. And so I'm like, I don't want to do that, but it was an amazing lesson. And so from that point on, it became a, a structure of, I got to learn how to do this. There, there's a system to this that I don't know, right? You can't just be cute. You can't just have a book. You can't just be funny, right? It's how are you enrolling? How are you seating? How are you inviting them to take action? How are you selling without selling, mm. right? How are you getting people to raise their hand? The more I engage them from the stage, the more they're going to engage in the back of the room, virtually or, you know, live. So there is a system. And once I figured out the system, then you can teach the system. It's like, oh, it's not fluke. It's not, did I have a good day or a bad day? There's a structure in how you do it. And so I think most people don't teach the structure. Yes, they're teaching you how to do a signature talk. Yes, they're teaching how to tell a story. Yes, they're teaching, and that's important. You've got to have that. But if you don't know the structure of how do you get a person from, you know, laughing to learning to crying to buying, you don't have a business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Next question. What's the book that you've read that's had most impact on your life and why? One of the first business books that I read was Michael Gerber's E-Myth. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's a classic, but back then it was like, wow, this is amazing. And I took that and modeled my business from it, right? I'm like, how do I create a business that doesn't rely on me? How do I really scale, even as a technician, right? I hired an assistant. Then I hired two assistants that could help me do the stuff that wasn't my highest income producing activity. 
And then I bought a salon and then worked my way out from behind the chair to, again, scale that business and sold that business, right? So it's all about scaling and growing a business before scaling and growing was even a, a conversation that we were having. And so still, it's one of the best books. And it was great because it was such an easy read, right? It wasn't this, you know, big old manual that you're like, it sounds like they're saying, it's a, you sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. Some books are that way, right? Some books, some speaker, and you're like, I don't even know what they're saying. You know, yeah, so it was, yeah. it was in my language. I could get it. I could understand it. I could see the holes in my business. And then I realized I owned a job. Right. He's saying if you can't walk away from your business for three to six months and your business still thrive and survive, you own a job. And I was like, holy hell, I, I own a big fat job. How do I not own a job? I didn't even know there was a distinction. I'm just like, I have a job and I make great money because making great money. But that's not a business. That's a great job. I didn't want a job. And so that became my life passion to go. How can I help other entrepreneurs? build a business not own a job that's brilliant cool and what's the best bit of business advice you've ever had and why Mm. I think one of my first coaches was a man by the name of Doug Carter c-a-r-t-e-r I'm a d-e-r and um he spent time with me and really taught me that I don't have to be the expert to everything. Um, He's the one that gave me that phrase of like, listen, I don't have all the answers, but what I do have are the resources. I have Sarah, I have Janet, I have Jim to help you grow your business. So all of a sudden I I went from, because if anybody ever asked me a question, I felt like I had to know the answer. I'm supposed to be the expert. It gave me that release to go, that's a really great question. And I'm going to refer you to my colleague, Sarah. She really is the speaking expert. I am not. Yes, I speak for a living, but that's not my jam, right? So to give myself grace, to not have to have all the answers, but still answer it in a way that allows the audience to leave that I'm still credible. Absolutely. Cool. That's brilliant. Okay. Last question from me. Um, If you could have any mentor and they can be alive or dead, fictional or non-fictional who would you choose and why Mm, that's good oh that's good Sarah so just kind of a little on the deeper side my children are African-American so I married a beautiful black man and the challenge that our country that our world has is we're still very racist And it's, you know, it's, unless you experience it, and as a white woman, I experienced it from being a woman, but I never experienced it because of the color of my skin, right? So women, we can, we understand, but we don't get it. And people judging you because, or judging somebody because their skin is brown. Like it was, it flabbergasted. These are babies. These are children. These are, I had a client that didn't come back to me the minute she found out my husband was black, right? She was like, I knew she was racist and she would talk about, you know, black people moving into the neighborhood and, you know, like what? And, but, you know, so I just never mentioned it. I'm like, yeah, that's just her. And then one day my uh, husband came into the business while I was doing her hair and she went white as a ghost. And then people judging my children because they were brown. Um, my children judging themselves because they were brown, right? And, you know, wanting to be white like me. My daughter was three years old and she put on a pair of nylons I had in my, in the backseat of my car it was back in the day when we wore those things and they were white. And she goes, mommy, look, I'm pretty like you. Oh, and I'm like, oh, hell no. And so it might sound stupid, but when I look at Martin Luther King, and death threats. And I'm such an advocate to bring community, family, that you're just like me, but your skin might be a different color. Learning about different um, 
culture things when you're speaking to someone of a different denomination, a different race to like, let's learn, let's be in the inquiry of what it is to be sit in my shoes, right? What is it to sit in my shoes as a single mom raising two African-American children, right? The courage that he had to still have his voice, the courage his wife had to be okay with him leaving and they had small children, right? What must that be like? That gives me chills. So how do you have that conviction? How do you have that wake up and go, I know my family could die and I could die, but this cause is bigger than me, right? That gives me chills to go, how do I, my goal was how do I teach my children to be powerful women in the world regardless? And they still, like, we still experience racism for my my daughters, like my daughter is an African-American woman working in a white man's world, right? And that's relevant. Her last job, um, her boss, before she started working with him, took her aside and said, listen, I just, I want to be transparent with you. He was an Indian man. Mm-hmm. And so he said, we are the number one firm and you will be judged and your counterparts probably will pass you up because of their color, their skin and their, and who they are. And in the beginning I was like, oh, okay, he's just trying to teach her the ropes that that's respectful. But at the end, he ended up holding her back because of the color of her skin and the race that she was, you know, sometimes you can't take that out. So she finally left. She's like, I will not get ahead. I, I work just as hard as my white colleagues and these men, and I'm getting passed up and I'm working harder than they are. It doesn't make sense. And you know, when you have to tell your child it's it's real, right? I don't wanna get on this whole bandwagon, but the bandwagon, there is truth to the bandwagon. It's not all the truth all the time, but there are instances. So I would say from that standpoint of how did you walk out the door? How did you keep your head high? How did you not want to retreat? How did you not want to run away? And, you know, be angry, staying in love, staying in, you know, we shall overcome, like bringing communities together to make awareness would be amazing. That's brilliant. I don't think we've had him before. He would be amazing. Yeah, I agree. Um, Thank you for sharing that. I, I know it's personal, but I think it's important that people hear this message and and consistently hear it it's not you know it, the problem hasn't been solved yet no. and and so I think you know people need to to keep on hearing it until until it is thank you so much for sharing all the things that you've shared today is there anything else that you think you need to add or to share in order for this interview to be complete yeah I would say that a lot of us get stuck in fear you know, if you think about if I didn't have the, my children, I would have drove around the corner. I just would have not showed up. Right. I would have canceled it again. And you look at the trajectory of what's happened in my life, because I did drive around the block a lot of times, but parked and got out and did it. And fear leads you to believe that where you're at right now is a safe place and going forward is a risk. But the truth is, we're always at risk of standing still and risk of missing out on destiny. So I want to say, feel that fear is a flag, a flag of the unknown, a flag of uncertainty and do it. That that's healthy. That, that is a sign for me. Whenever I feel it, like I don't want to like, well, why don't you want to right? to be in the inquiry versus going, I'm going to call in sick or I'm going to not show up or whatever that is and do it. Like feel the fear and do it anyway. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Now, I'm sure that people will want to find out more about you, where they can work with you. Obviously, we're going to put a link to the book. Where's the best place for them to go to to find out more about how they can work with you, Susie? Awesome. So my name is Susie Carter, C-A-R-D as in dollar or dinero, E-R. Right? <laughs> and you can find me in social media. That's our website is my name, susiecarter.com. We've got lots of resources there that you can do your due diligence. Check me out. We've got a YouTube channel. We're on all the social media platforms, all by my name, Susie Carter. 
smashing excellent well listen thank you so so much as i said for sharing all of that stuff it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and i hope that people do go and check out all your stuff um, and buy the book because it is very good and who wouldn't want to tap into that wisdom and experience especially in the troubled times that we're finding ourselves in today so thank you so much really appreciate it welcome Sarah thank you and thank you for everything that you're doing so that we can keep raising the bar in our industry and transforming the world wow isn't she impressive I absolutely loved talking to Susie and as I said at the start I'm sure you agree she's so down to earth and real and what you see is what you get and but with that all of the wisdom and experience that she's able to share just the real deal. Do go and check out Power Your Profits and Susie's website. I've no doubt that she gets results for people. So if that sounds like something you want, then do knock on her door. And if something she said had an impact on you, go and say hi to her on uh, LinkedIn or the other social media platforms that she's around on. And Obviously, as you see, speaking helped her hugely. And if you want to become a better speaker or you want to start leveraging the huge opportunity that speaking offers, then come along to the masterclass with me next week. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy it, get value and have some aha moments. Thanks again for joining me. I'll be back next week. But as you know, in the meantime, I want you to go out Grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. If you want to be more memorable and engaging when you talk, then you need to share more stories. Stories can help you better connect with your audience and their problems and get them leaning in more powerfully than anything else. And short, snackable stories are great to use in pitches, Facebook Lives, podcasts, videos, keynotes, webinars, blogs, in fact, everywhere to share your message and grow your business. The trouble is that finding your snackable stories and confidently sharing them can feel like a struggle. And that struggle can slow you down or stop you in your tracks. But that's where my free snackable story challenge comes in. Over the course of just five days, I'm going to give you resources, training and coaching to help you find your authentic personal stories to share and build your skills and confidence in sharing them. Not only that, but the challenge will guide you towards a tangible result at the end and assets for you to use going forward. The next challenge is starting soon. So to grab your space, go to saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge right now.